Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. At what point in your career were you like, ah, uh, yes, the logical next step is definitely to do a show opposite a 2,000 pound gorilla puppet? Oh my God! Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my God, guys! Jake has a podcast. Jake has a podcast. Oh my God! Jake has a podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, you guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, this week I had the pleasure of seeing not only one Broadway show, but two. I saw Chicago on Broadway for the umpteenth time because later on in this episode of the pod, I get to chat with James T. Lane, who is currently starring as Billy Flynn in the show. And I also got to see Jinx Monsoon again as Mama Morton. It was absolutely fabulous. And the other show that I got to see this week was rather a surprise. My bestie Jonah and I ran to the box office the day of the show and got last minute rush tickets to see A Beautiful Noise, the Neil Diamond musical. And I have two friends in the show, both making their Broadway debuts, Makai Hernandez and Kalanji Gallimore. Shout out to you. They were both fabulous in the show, featured everywhere in the ensemble, dancing their faces off and performing alongside incredible people like Will Swenson and Robin Herter. I didn't know much about Neil Diamond other than Sweet Caroline Ba 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 before I saw the musical. But I was really taken by this show. The scenic design is beautiful. The pacing is excellent. The music is obviously fantastic. And there were some incredible, really heartfelt performances. So I was blown away. And I'm so proud of Makai and Kalanji. You guys are both the bomb. Starting off this week's Broadway World recap, we have to talk about the sneak peek inside the rehearsal of Broadway's Camelot that we got to see on Broadway World. The book is being written by Aaron Sorkin, based on the original book by Alan Lerner, and the show is being directed by Tony winner Bartlett Sher, who has created notoriously beautiful Broadway shows at Lincoln Center. And the show is scheduled to begin performances on March 9th and open on April 13th at the Vivian Beaumont. The cast features some Broadway heavy hitters, such as Taylor Trench. Andrew Burnup is playing Arthur, and of course, Miss Philippa Sue will be portraying Guinevere. But I'm so thrilled, too, for a friend of mine named Delphi Borich. She was most recently seen on Broadway in the revival of Into the Woods, and she is going to be in the ensemble of the show, and I believe she also understudies Guinevere, which is thrilling. The show is going to be choreographed by Byron Easley, and um, I just think it's going to be stunning. The fact that there is going to be a 30-piece orchestra performing this original score every night, I, I just I cannot wait to see this production. You can find this video of a little sneak peek of the rehearsal on broadwayworld.com. Next, we have the announcement of Spamalot at the Kennedy Center. Following um, the announcement that the Kiss of the Spider-Woman production that was going to be done at the Kennedy Center has been canceled, um, this show is going to take its place. um, And it's going to star Rob McClure, Leslie Kritzer, Alex Brightman, and James Monroe Englehart. And this show is just not to be missed. It's so hilarious. It's going to be directed by Josh Rhodes, who helmed the Broadway center stage production of The Who's Tommy. And it's going to be music directed by John Bell, who just did Into the Woods. This show is essentially the definition of camp. And I think that they have assembled a true knockout team of 
comedic actors to tell this story and to make people laugh. So perhaps I will have to haul my booty on down to Washington, D.C. so that I can catch the show. We also have to talk about a new production of Oliver being done at New York City Center. It's going to star Lily Cooper, Raul Esparza, Benjamin Padgett, and Mary Testa. And I also think that it's really cool that 20 public school students are going to be featured in one number in the production, which I think is just so special and exciting. I know that as a kid, I think I would have absolutely fallen over dead if I had this opportunity to be on stage with these people at New York City Center. So I can't wait to see what they do. We also just got a sneak peek at initial promo photos for the production of Hercules that's being done at the Paper Mill Playhouse in New Jersey. And the show looks in Incredible. I got to share the stage with Charity Angel Dawson in Chicago on Broadway, and now she is playing one of the muses, and she looks fabulous, fabulous in that white gown. And Hercules himself does not look too shabby either. Hello, arms. I love the story and the music of Hercules, and I really hope I can catch this show. And one more show that I am absolutely over the moon excited to see is the revival of Bob Fosse's Dancing. The show starts previews this evening, March 2nd, and they have truly assembled a cast of some of the most incredible dancers on Broadway to revive this show. It's being directed and transformed by Wayne Salento, who has choreographed countless fabulous productions. And it's playing the Music Box Theater, which I think is perfect for this type of show because everything about Bob Fosse's choreography is so detail-oriented and just gooey and delicious and you want to be able to see every bit of every body moving on stage and so this this more intimate theater I think is going to lend itself perfectly to this show. Lastly in the Broadway World recap it was just announced that the Broadway revival of Funny Girl will be closing on September 3rd after running more than a year and a half. Both the leads, Ramin Karimlu and Leah Michelle, have confirmed that they will be staying through closing. And I'm so proud of everyone I know who's involved with the show. They've had an incredible run, and I'm glad that they get to close out the show with more than enough notice so that they can all move on to their next thing seamlessly without sort of the rug just being totally ripped out from underneath them. It's such a fabulous production. I saw it with Beanie Feldstein. I've seen it with Julie Benko and, of course, Leah Michelle. And it's stunning. So congrats to everyone at the August Wilson for working it out. And you can catch them there through September 3rd. And this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh, my pod, you guys. I am so excited to welcome my next guest to the show. He is a Broadway veteran. Please welcome Mr. James T. Lane. Hey, hey, hey. Hi, James. How are you? Hi, Jake. I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. It's so good to see you again. You too. Lovely to meet you the other night. I know. It's so crazy. I had, I had never actually met you in person. So this, that was so yeah, sweet. And, and people speak highly of you in, 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 at the Ambassador Theater. So that's Oh wonderful. my, you are very sweet. <laughs> well, it was such a pleasure to meet you the other night. I got to see the show um, and you were fantastic, obviously. Thank you very much. <laughs> of course. Where are you calling from? I, I live in Sunnyside, Queens. Oh, gorgeous. How long have you been there? Oh, goodness. Um, my partner and I have been here since 2016. Yeah. Fantastic. Where, um, where was home for you before New York? Oh, well, I'm from Philadelphia originally, South Philadelphia. And um, 
So, um, yeah, came up, came up I-95. <laughs> <laughs> Just up the pathway there. That's right. I love it. Right. So I, um, obviously did my, my extensive research on you prior to the, <laughs> the interview. So I'm so excited to hear about all of the various shows that you have gotten to do, um, throughout your career. But I first want to talk about your, your own show that you've created called Triple Threat. Can you tell me yes. about where that came from? Oh, goodness. It's a uh, triple threat. Uh, well, it, it comes out of a few things. Um, you know, I was looking at the landscape of Broadway and where I would go with my particular skill set. And, um, you know, if I wasn't in the ensemble of this show or that, where where could I gain creative responsibility and really practice the thing that I love to do? Mm-hmm. Um, a, a larger piece of the pie, if you will. You know, and um, and I looked around and if I wasn't in Hamilton or if I wasn't in The Lion King and, and now more recently Ain't Too Proud, what would I, what consistent work would I have? Right. You know, and then there's this other part of it where, um, you know, um, I, like I said, I wanted more creative responsibility. So when I was working in London in 2015, I sat down with David Lamb, the artistic director at the time of The Young Vic. And um, I pitched him like a show about Sammy Davis Jr. And he was like, hmm, well, you know, I love Sammy. Sammy's great, but I'm interested in you. What would you like to do? Who are you? Mm-hmm. And nobody had ever said that before, Jake. <laughs> you know, like in, at, at this level of, of, of the business, nobody had ever said, hey, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> sure. and he was like, well, do you write? And I said, no. And he said, well, if you were to write, what would you write? And so I started writing. And, uh, you know, I've been I've been free of drugs and alcohol for about 18 years. And I started mm-hmm. writing about um, these little uh, these stories about my experiences out there and um, my experiences being an active alcoholic and drug addict while trying to pursue the arts and um you know, and, and, and all of that that comes with that, you know, mm-hmm. botched auditions you know, showing up late, um, all of the characters that you meet while you're, while you're in that life, you know, yeah. in the, in, in the life, in quotes, gay life or in life otherwise. Uh-huh. And, um, and you know, the, just the, the floor kept dropping out every time I turned around and I started writing down these stories and he looked at me and he said, is that, that's you? <laughs> and I said, yeah. <laughs> And he said, it's so remarkable that who you are is not what I'm reading on these pages. Keep writing. So I wrote and wrote and wrote, and the uh, the commission came to an end, but I still continued to write. Fast forward, oh, five or six years in a global pandemic. Um, I really, really got focused uh, because I had a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> and, <laughs> sure. um, and, and, and I was telling people about this play. And um, and I told one particular uh, uh, gentleman by the name of Bart Keebler, who was the artistic director at the Ziders American Dream Theater in Virginia Beach. And he, he had remembered that I told him about this one man show that I was writing. And he said, I think that that would be a great thing to open up the season. It's a one man show. We don't have to worry about COVID and all of this right. stuff or worry less about it. Yeah. Um, and they gave me a platform to to do this. And so um, so we put it into a high gear. And then in May of 2021, I believe, 
uh, we did a production of five performances, and I was I was clever enough slash smart enough or whatever you want to call it to <laughs> ask for it to be uh, videoed. Oh, and, perfect. Uh, and, um, you know, and I worked with a, a lovely uh, person to kind of create that. And then so I had this thing in my pocket that yeah. I could like, you know, hold on to. And then um, I uh, that fall, um, I, I had wanted to do I, I think, you know, I had wanted to do more with it. So uh, a lovely gentleman by the name of uh, Barrett Martin and his wife, Megan Sakura, they saw a presentation that I did of it. Oh, oh, they saw the video and they said, everybody needs to see this. Yeah. You know, what can we do to help? And so they were my sponsors in getting me uh, three, uh, two presentations at a theater in New York City. And I invited everybody I knew in terms <laughs> of producing, producing. And, you know, you invite thousands, of hundreds respond. Yes doesn't show up <laughs> you know like maybe maybe 40 people showed up out of the two days but yeah. it only takes one jake it only takes one right mm -hmm. it only takes one and um you know there was a lot of uh promises and then no shows there was a lot of don't sell it to anybody and then you forget you you know and then someone said something um to just keep me informed keep me informed and, um, and I kept that individual informed. And so we are on our way to creating the next phase of Triple Threat that's soon to come. So Triple Threat is about, you know, um, it's in the style of, of, of like Anna DeVere Smith, John Leguizamo, Whoopi Goldberg, Coleman Domingo, you know, one um, actor playing multiple roles. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's usually productions like this, you have an actor and they don't really sing. Or you have a singer who does a cabaret and they're not moving too much. Or not really <laughs> well. You know, um, and it's called Triple Threat for a motherfucking reason. Period! <laughs> Period, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, because cause, cause you're going to get all of that. You're going to get all that I have. You're going to, and I love to tell stories. So it, it's autobiographical. And, um, and, and it's a journey and, um, you know, so wow. hold on to your, your wig caps. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's cause you're in for a ride and, wow. and, and I'm really happy about it. I cannot wait. I can't wait to see it. That is so thrilling. And how, how wonderful. I love Barrett and Megan. They're both incredible. So that's so amazing that they, you know, obviously saw how fabulous you are as a person and a performer and you get to, they get to help you fly that's so right, exciting right. So, so i um got to listen to your episode of jinx's podcast that you just did called hi jinx if for the listeners if you haven't listened to jinx's podcast you must check it out they're absolutely fabulous um and i was so fascinated by everything that you had to say um about your experience with um getting sober and being you know in in this industry um and I really want to hear about your experience with the intersectionality of your blackness and your queerness in and out of the audition room, because I think mm -hmm. that it's a really important and pertinent um, topic right now. I think mm -hmm. um, now more than ever, you know, we, we've sort of reached the point where um, 
it, the argument went from being there are no opportunities for people of color to now people of color are being put at the forefront of these new projects. And so I'm interested to see what um, what your thoughts are on that. Well, you know, I chorus lines of, uh, was a funny thing because you 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 think the line is are all principles, right? But they but let's be honest. It, Cassie and Zach are the principal are the stars, sure. mm-hmm. you know. And Paul and Paul is up there, you right. know. And Sheila is up there. You know, and then the rest of the line is like an ensemble, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's it's a little misleading in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, this is really what it is, right? You know, so, 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 but and that was my Broadway de- debut. But then, you know, I, you know, I was in the chorus for a long time, and usually in the chorus, you know, there's like one black right. guy or one black girl or one person of color. Uh, in, in in each of, of of you know you know male or female and 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 now we have new language and and, and you know folks are identifying in the ways that make them feel themselves and all and authentically who they are and I love that you know but um, I would say that um, you know I was I was I was always getting one of those slots right. Uh-huh. You know, like, you know, I worked damn hard and I was always getting one of those slots regionally before I got to Broadway or even in national tours and stuff like that. But it's 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 a box. Right. You know, it's it's um, you know, it's so frustrating to go to a call, you know, knowing that and you, you've I've got I know dozens and dozens of 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 of, of African-American uh, male identifying folks that are we're up for one slot right and 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 you know I could tell that if someone had worked with this choreographer or director, why are we are even called in uh-huh. because they're going to get the job sure so they're just really just checking a box mm-hmm. you know, and that was really frustrating, you know um even when I was getting the job a lot, but the frustrating part was in the agita inside of me, yeah, where it wasn't just competition overall for the show, it was competition within it within my uh with being an african American yeah, there yeah. was competition there, so it's funny, my solution to that, and particularly when I came back from London and I was auditioning is that. In these rooms, I would actually try to, like, um, make coffee dates with other other black men mm. um, to just find out more about who they were. And I just wasn't meeting them in the room, auditioning and competing and smiling and all of that weird stuff uh-huh. that goes on in auditions. So I had coffee dates, I had lunch dates, and, um, you know, I just had to humanize the experience for my soul, Jake. Yeah. Yeah. For my soul, because I'm sensitive, you know, <laughs> and I was picking up a whole lot of stuff that I just didn't want to carry around. Totally. In this in this sacred space that I love so much. Right. I really had to, like, put up some new wallpaper, uh-huh. you know, maybe a, a, a flower arrangement. You know, I really <laughs> just had to embrace what it was and really kind of, like, love it up, you know. And um, in terms of... um growing up at uh queer you know that was like not even talked about you know that that was just 
you know, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't approached in high school in terms of like as an artist, you know, uh-huh. you, you knew that he, she was a queen and she was a queen and she was a queen. Right. But you just didn't really discuss it. And um, and, you know, all the chorus was gay, but you just didn't really discuss it, you know. And, um, you know, I love this era that we're coming into where um, I can bring it's funny we jinx when I was talking about. Um, Billy Flynn is like my mother is all over Billy Flynn mm. you know my I'm, I'm a you know a queer man and my mother shows up in this Billy Flynn sure. you know and um, you know one of the things that we talked about is that um, as Billy Flynn you know I if you know I have the success I am in charge I am the hottest lawyer in Chicago, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I can basically do anything that I want to do. And the moment that that um, Roxy offers uh, a kind of a sexual advance, I shut that down completely. Yeah. Yes. Like the one time that (laughs) the one time I could flex my, you know, you know, and we talk about money a lot and and you could you could there's an argument that it is all about the money but but there's but but there's more oh, you yeah. know there's there's more and 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 I go for that other side of it that that more so um any chance I am a black uh queer man so any chance that I can be authentically who I am mm-hmm. you know and serve the character and serve the story I'm not trying to get in the way I'm trying to be authentically myself within the character. Absolutely. And if Rising. it serves, I can serve. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. I also want to hear about your um, your experience. I mean, you are obviously playing Billy Flynn right now, but you have been in and out of Chicago for a long time because you yeah. are a fantastic dancer. And I want to hear about um, maybe the difference between taking on a principal role like this versus um, dancing every night in, in an ensemble. You've done Chicago. You were in A Chorus Line. You were in Kiss Me Kate. You've done all of these you know, fabulous dance heavy productions. What is that like on, on the day to day? Well, it's, it's a few things. I, you know, I had to figure out because I like, I wake up dancing. Like that's, that's where my energy lies. You know, I don't feel like I'm working if I'm not sweating. Like that's, that's what it feels like. Sure. The adjustment, I really had to make an adjustment in terms of finding out, you know, what Billy where Billy's energy is coming from. So for the first three weeks, I would say of the run, I was taking dance classes before I would go and do the show mm. to just get that kinetic energy going. Cause like, you know, the voice opens up, you know, yeah. and I, you know, and now I still take dance class and, and stuff, not every day, like I was doing, but I just had to find what, where I was going to get that energy from for Billy because my, I'm, I move. Movement was my first language, like my first way to connect mm. um, emotionally. That's 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 where it comes from. I was a mover first, and then I found my voice. Sure. Uh, so um, the other thing is, uh, you know, coming from the ensemble, I I, I was in King Kong um, um, at the time, and I just thought, like, you know, they're gonna get all of me in this ensemble part. They're gonna get everything that I have. But in terms of like input in the room, um, it's going to be very, very, uh-huh. very small. <laughs> so for all of me that I'm going to give, 
and you have me in your ensemble, what I can actually um, change or kind of create in the room would be very small. So I, I thought of this term, uh, and I don't even know where it came from, but creative responsibility. I'm yearning for more creative responsibility in mm-hmm. these spaces and places that I'm giving so much of what I love and who I am for. And that's what I set out to do. So, so the difference in, um, for me, for me, um, it, coming from the ensemble and, and, and going to graduating to principal roles is greater creative responsibility. That that is what I I see, and it is has happened. Um, a friend of mine named Albert Poland, when I was talk, because I talked to a lot of people about making making the change, because you know it, a good job, a good government Chicago the musical <laughs> ensemble job, that's a good job, baby. That's worth you know? it, right? Right. So it's scary making the leap, you know, like what it, what's going to happen. And he 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 just said to me, he said. Um, when you make the leap and you're going to make the leap, don't be a visitor. Plant your feet, stay there, work it out, you know, stretch, make, mm. make room for yourself. Don't be a visitor, plan to stay. Yeah. And that was so valuable, so valuable. So greater creative responsibility is, 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 is the main difference. You know, what I, but what I like about Chicago is that, you know, Everybody gets a kind of a little turn, a little moment, a little this, a little that. Yeah. You know, in, in the ensemble and all throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Particularly Billy, when he comes in, I I love driving. You know, I get to kind of like steer. You know, you really see it and we both reach for the gun, you know. Yes. Getting them wild up and pulled down. And, and, you know, it's very manipulative, mm-hmm. you know. and and But with my actor kind of... Uh, you know, hat on. It's also like I'm I'm in the driver's seat a bit, and I can really move the show along and yeah. pull it back rear. And I really enjoy that responsibility. So, um, you know, responsibility. I like it. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, you mentioned how you have worked in London. I want to hear a little bit about maybe the difference between the the culture of theater on the West End versus in New York. Is it super different? Oh well, the, the the cab drivers in London know who who are who is on the boards. Okay, <laughs> like they they know who's on and who's off and what mm. shows. So it is deeply, deeply, very much in the culture. Um, I loved it. I and and this is this was one particular thing that I really loved. So you know the Tony Awards here. You know, uh, I've, I've I've been it's I've been honored to to play the Tony Awards. I think four times or five times. I can't I can't remember. But um, wow. But yeah, like I like I I can't remember it. Like a chorus line, the Scottsboro Boys, Kiss Me Kate. Oh oh, Kiss Me Kate, and oh four times, Kiss Me Kate, and then I was Whoopi Goldberg's dance double, uh, <laughs> when, she was, when she hosted. So I, I count that one too. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think that counts the most. Right, right, right. So, um, so, but okay. So, so the basically the way it works is that your number in the show, you get bussed in from your theater. You, you, you get in a waiting room. You do your number, and then you leave. Mm-hmm. That's that's the Tony Awards experience for a performer if they're not nominated. That's that's the experience. Right. The Olivier Awards. Everybody gets there at seven or eight in the morning. Everybody's there. You rehearse the show. You have lunch upstairs. 
you can go in and out of, and they're at the Royal Opera House. You have lunch upstairs. They have food for you. You're seeing everybody. You're meeting everybody. You can go in and out, and that's fine. But your you, your base is there. Yeah. You bring your you bring your fancy clothes. You 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 you. It's showtime. You perform your number. You change it to your fancy clothes, and there's a party afterwards. That feeling of community celebrating the day like that's it's like a holiday for for theater folks yeah it actually felt like a holiday wow yeah yeah and you're not working that right you don't have to do a matinee (laughs) exactly oh my god you're not performing on the macy's parade and then going and doing a full (laughs) show or something crazy right you know and it's like it's 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 i mean take kiss me when we did kiss me kate you know they, I will say this: the producers in the show they make it one a wonderful day. It's just a hell of a day. Uh-huh. You, you, you. I mean, for the Kiss Me Kate, our rehearsal because we were in the opening number and then we had a number. Our day started at like six in the morning at the theater. Whew. And Wayne, <laughs> Wayne, <laughs> Warren Carlyle, uh, re- rented a mariachi band for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> He said, get that morale up, baby. So we had breakfast at the theater with a mariachi band. It was that's so <laughs> so classy. We go to we go to rehearsal for the opening. We do the opening rehearsal and then we do do we do we run the show and then we go back to the theater and then we do our show mm-hmm. and then we wait and then and then and then we get bused to the theater to do the opening. We get bused away from the theater. And then we get bused back to the theater to do our number. And then we get bused home. So that day started at 6 a.m. Oh, my and God. And we weren't, I wasn't, I didn't leave the theater until like 11, 15. What? <laughs> insane. So it's insane. Now, wow. that, 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 that Tony Awards performance of Kiss Me, Kate, like, you know, it's forever. Yeah, oh, I have it forever. Of course. <laughs> worth every minute of it. It's but... worth it. It's worth wow. every minute. So I, switching gears a little bit, because obviously, like, Kiss Me, Kate and A Chorus Line, they're like, you know, such like fabulous, glittery, shiny shows. Um, I want to hear about your experience in the Scottsboro Boys and working oh, with boy. Susan Stroman. <laughs> Jake, well, one, you know, Susan Stroman, you know, working with her, there's no stone unturned. Like, you know, you are prepared for whatever you're doing, mm. you know. And um, I, I, personally, the Scottsboro Boys, for me, I had I had not heard of the Scottsboro Boys before I started working on it, you know. And it's a famous civil rights case about nine black boys who were accused of raping two white women in the South. Mm-hmm. And Candor and Ebb, in their fashion, because they love kind of like really, really interesting stories. Yeah. Um, you know, they turned it into a musical. And at first you're like, <gasps> you know, like, how dare you? Right. But, um, but they figured out a way with uh, David Thompson, who's the book writer, and Susan Stroman. You know, they the conceit is vaudeville or, or minstrel show, mm-hmm. minstrel show. Pre-Vaudeville, sorry, that's Chicago. <laughs> um, pre, pre, you know, the minstrel show. And, and the, the way that a minstrel show is set up, is that you have two end men and you have an interlocutor. And then you have the players. And the boys, the Scottsboro boys, are the players. And that was the, in, in, in 1920s, that was the, 
that was the form of entertainment at the time. Yeah. And um, that's a lot for a black man to be in a minstrel show in the 2000s. And what does that mean? And, right. you know, so we had a lot of talks about that. And a lot of people were very upset outside of the theater scene um, that we were doing a minstrel show. And um, and here's the thing. We the conceit was a minstrel show. We were not doing a minstrel show. Right. You know, and, um, you know, there is at one point we do put on blackface and it only it is to take it off to prove a point, mm-hmm. you know, and people were up in arms about that. So but let's talk about the boys, because it was about the Scottsboro boys. Yeah. And um, these 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 gentlemen were accused of raping uh, these two white women. And it was a lie. And they, they they were on the same freight car. The women were two prostitutes and they didn't want to get arrested. So they said, ah. Uh pointed that way mm-hmm. and um and at that time you know what what white people said it you know was right. believed and um you know and it was the start the case was the start of why we have a jury of our peers mm. that came from that case mm-hmm. this this case you know because they had such bad you know you know bad a bad kind of trial um, you know, with all people that would never have voted for the course. So we had, it was started, um, you know, having a jury of your peers with this trial and also having proper representation because their lawyer was drunk. So ah. that started, um, that's why you get, you know, if you don't have money for it, a defense lawyer, you get one provided for you. Yeah. That started from the Scottsboro Boys case. But wow. these nine young men were railroaded and um most of them spent their lives on death row waiting for for they were all eventually exonerated and a lot of that had to do with the actual musical um being resurrected yeah yeah i mean they were they were they were acquitted uh, over time after 20 and 30 years of being in jail and stuff like that but then uh when the kate when we started doing the musical you know a lot of talk was happening about them in the world and they were officially exonerated in um, 2013 or 2014 while we wow. were working. In yeah. So, you know, but as an African-American man bringing a role like um, Ozzy uh, to life, um, it is, was in some way healing a part of me that I didn't know. Like, I, I think, you know, I have a pleasant disposition naturally, but I, you know, and, and this is, has a lot to do with my, my drinking and using drugs. There was this like chip on my shoulder mm. and it was a societal chip, you know, like I, I didn't want to be black or gay. Not that I inherently didn't like those things about myself. I love my skin. I love the way I look. I enjoy being gay. It's not, you know, I never thought of it as like some type of um, sin or anything like that. You know, right. I was like I'm made this way. It's, it's just who I am. Um, but what I had trouble with was the way that society had treated me just for being me. You know, I, I really had physical trouble with that. Yeah. And um, so that was the chip on my shoulder. And I drank and used drugs over it. And so and, 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 and the whole societal thing of, of you know, how, how people of color and, and, and queer people have been treated through history. Right. I just was really carrying that. So. The Scottsboro Boys was a way to kind of reach back into the history and heal a certain part of myself um, that that and and through the arts, 
you know, through this thing that I love so much and so dear. So London, uh, you know, we did it here on Broadway in 2010, and it only ran for six weeks. I was, mm -hmm. My face was cracked, Jake. I was like, it's a Karen Ebb show. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You said, we're going to run, honey. We're going to run. This is a struggle. We're going to run. Right. You know, mind you, I don't know how I would have done that. <laughs> it was so hard to do. Like, <laughs> every night we were like dead. Um, but, um, but, you know, that ended... Um, started in October, like Halloween, and then it ended like the first week of December or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then in 2012, I got the notice that we were going to go to the West End in 2013. And I, I was like, sign me up. And then I found out a chorus line was going over there the same year. And I was like, I guess I'm supposed to be in London. Yeah. Like, like, wow. Really in London. But was um, there was there like a tangible difference in the reception of the show between America at... and London? Yes, Jake. That's yes. America was like this. They were leaning back a little bit. They were like, <laughs> like, like, Ooh. are you gonna? And 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 London was like this. They were leaning forward. They could. They went on the ride much more empathetically. I think mm. the word is it. They they just because they were just that much removed. Yeah, you know, like it yeah. was like you know, it was like. Oh, that's our colony, mm -hmm. <laughs> not us, right? You know, mind you, they started the shit, okay. but <laughs> but you know, like they could they could lean in a little bit because it was about America, mm -hmm. you know. So so you know the and 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 um, West End audiences aren't aren't demonstrative. They're not, but they were very demonstrative over wow. uh, the Scottsboro Boys and the talent you. One with the Susan Stroman show, Stroman show, you can't run or hide like you're doing. Like nobody's safe. Right. You are. You are. <laughs> like you. There's nowhere to hide. You. And we really we had no set. We actually transfigured the set in each scene, and they were mm. chairs. So we would. They would all these different types of chairs, and it, I'll never forget this one day. <laughs> Ready? If you if you don't know your chairs, you're done. <laughs> like oh. like because you know, like, they fit together in a certain way. Sure. Honey, sometimes it was. I think it was two performances where like like we had to like into, <laughs> like some some the understudies were on and they just did not do it right. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know we had to like you know ad lib a bit. Quite literally, like musical chairs trying to <laughs> figure right, out where right, you're going. Right. 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 But it, it, it remains a special, special, special show in my heart um, because it actually healed a part of me. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. So pre-career pre for you, can you uh -huh. tell me about your collegiate experience with both Carnegie Mellon and Penn State? What was, what was that um, dual college experience like? Dual meaning I left one and went to the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. um, so, so I, you know... Um, you know, coming out of high school, I knew that Carnegie Mellon was the place I was going to go. Like, it was either Juilliard, Carnegie Mellon, or what was the other one, you know? Um, and did you know, I, like, musical theater specifically, or were you like, I'm yes, going to be a dancer? Theater. Well, I mean, Juilliard was like, was going to be music. Um, and, you know, Car but Carnegie Mellon was the place to go for musical theater. That was, sure. that was the word on the street. Yeah. And, um, you know, full scholarship to the school. Wow. And, um... It was absolutely need and talent based. You know, it wasn't like they were just like here. 
you know, um, mm -hmm. but I need, I wasn't going to school unless I had a full ride. Yeah. And I got lots of offers, but I knew I was going to Carnegie Mellon. But you know, here, Jake, and here's where, you know, a lot of things happened to me my junior and senior year of high school. You know, there was some abuse. There was, there was a lot of like me really trying to find a way. And the way that I treated that was um, talent. Like I was going to be the best in the room. I was going to, no, you, you, you can't deny me anything. And um, so I really got obsessive about it. So by the, my senior year and I was auditioning and, and in June rolled around, my head was like, <laughs> like, you know, I, it was, I was a little bit of a monster. And um, when I got to college, you know, they don't let you perform your freshman year. Right. And I was like, who am I if I'm not performing? Uh -huh. You know, like, I need this. Right. I, you, don't, you don't understand. <laughs> and so I said, deuces, Carnegie Mellon, with mm -hmm. my full scholarship. And, um, um, and I went to Penn State. Penn State was also a school that I'd gotten into full ride. And, um, and it wasn't exactly the right fit, but they let me be more of me. And I think that's what I needed. I think I actually really um, blossomed in more of a liberal arts education rather than a conservatory. Sure. I needed more of like a life. Mm -hmm. I needed more of like a life. And, um, and I got that at Penn State. The training was different. And um, so that's where I, 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 there was another need happening, like I, in terms of my training. There was a teacher there though, who named Spence Ford, who uh, worked with Mr. Fossey in dancing. And so I learned everything that she could throw at me. I was mm. like, really like under her, you know, tutelage there and mentorship, learning all of the, the stuff that she knew. She was like a, one of the original Lacage girls that went out on the road with Lacage. Like she, she knew where the bodies were buried and right. I needed to know more. <laughs> you know, and like, that's the what life that I wanted to live. And then, um, you know, but it, you know, after I got what I needed, I said, I was looking around and was getting more frustrated and frustrated. And then I, um, I opened up a newspaper backstage and said, well, they, I saw a European tour of fame. And I said, Hey, look, y'all, if I don't come back on Monday, y'all know I got the job. <laughs> That's what happened. And you did. And I did. And I went to Europe and I was 19 years old. Wow. And, uh, you know, this African-American kid in Switzerland, you know, and <laughs> Europe, you know, Berlin and, and, um, you know, um, Vienna, Austria and Paris, France. And, and, you know, right. it was just, it was just amazing. Wow. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. The world, there is a world out there and mm -hmm. it's living just fine. <laughs> there's wow. More, there's more out there than in America. <laughs> That's wild. Well, James, thank you so much for being on the show. This was such a pleasure. You're such a dream to chat with. And um, <laughs> everybody run to the ambassador to catch James as Billy. It's it's truly mm -hmm. magnificent. And um, tell the listeners where they can find you on, on socials. Yes, Instagram at James T. Lane, or you can go to my website, jamestlane.com. And you can also find out more information um, at my website about tickets for... Uh, <laughs> Triple threat! Yes! Yeah. <laughs> you guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. 
Don't forget to like, comment, rate, subscribe, do all the things. And please feel free to email me at ohmypodyouguys at gmail.com. Also, if you loved James's interview, there is an extended version of the interview, which features a really fun questionnaire segment that you can only listen to on broadwayworld.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye! Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.